Well, hey everyone, thanks for checking out this message from Journey Church. These resources are so awesome to have when you're out in nature like we are and you gotta go be outside on these nice days. However, we want you to know that there is nothing better than true fellowship with believers and live worship with your fellow Christians. So be sure to use this message only in conjunction with getting fed in a community of believers. Hey, we also want you to get connected with us, so be sure to text the word CONNECT to 307-271-9160 so that you can stay in the loop with everything happening at Journey Church and get notifications about upcoming events. Hey, we pray that this message encourages you and inspires you as you continue this life on your walk with Jesus. Wasn't it great? This is the greatest weekend of the year, this fall back Sunday where you get an extra hour of sleep. Did you feel that? It's like, oh, this is just great. We need that every week. We need to fall back every week from now on. Um, anyway, thank you for being here today and joining us. Um, this message is what I would call a tweener. It is between series. We haven't gotten into the new series. We will get in in a couple of weeks where we'll start talking about Advent. It's hard to believe we're even at that time to start talking about and thinking about the Advent season. Um, I'm excited for that. Um, and then after the first of the year, we will be celebrating uh, at Journey our 10-year anniversary, uh, where we've been at church for 10 years. It's been amazing uh, to see that. Yeah, that's exciting, exciting news. So um, anyway, today, as that tweener message, there's something God's been putting on my heart, and that is this title of the message, GPS, God's Positioning System. Really, it's about the Word of God. The Word of God is so urgently and vitally important. And what I want to talk to you about today is why I believe, this is me personally, why I believe the Bible is true, why I believe the Bible is relevant, and why I believe God Almighty is the author and creator of all. Let's pray and get into this message today. Father, this is your time. We want to hear from you. I don't want these to be my words, Lord. I want you to speak to our hearts. You have the power to change us. Lord, there are people coming with a variety of different uh, things that are happening in their lives. Some are hurting right now. Some are in pain. Some are going through relationship turmoil. Some, Lord, are questioning and doubting and not sure about their faith. Some are just right now leaning into you and just wanting to hear from you. Lord, whatever it is, it is good for the saints to gather together and worship. It is good, as your word tells us, to not forsake the assembling together, but to meet together, to gather together, and to study together. Father, I look forward to these Sundays where we get to gather together, where we have so much stuff happening during the week. And some of us, it's, it's trial after trial or chaos or, or drama. And we get to come here and open your word and hear from you. And so, Lord, I pray that today we would hear from you, that we would be touched by your heart and your life. Lord, that we would have your ways within us. Lord, speak to us now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. GPS, God's positioning system. 
Some of you know, because I've shared it a little bit in the past, that I have a hobby, and my hobby is flying. I enjoy flying. About a year and a half ago, I started on that journey of becoming a private pilot. I was able to get that. That was a great experience to be able to get that. Um, I am uh, now working on what's called an instrument rating with my, with my piloting skills. Part of this being a pilot, I, I have a small little plane that I purchased. It's not an expensive plane. The church, by the way, did not buy me this plane. I did not take money from the church, though, if we wanted to set up donations, I would be okay with that. I really would. But it's a small plane. How can I afford a, a small little plane like this? Well, let me give you the reasons behind why I can afford this. Number one, I drive a very cheap car, so my money goes into the plane and not to the car. Number two, I don't drink or smoke, and I never have, so I have not put that money into that. I have put it into this plane. Number three, I really don't have any other hobbies that I do, so I'm not spending money on golf or hunting or fishing like some of you spend a lot of money on those things, so I have that money set aside, but really the big funder of me being able to do this, the, the one that provides the funds, is for the past 15 to 20 years, I have not paid for a single haircut, and that has put a lot of money away. I'll tell you what, how much do you pay to get your haircut or ladies to get your hair done? That's an expensive proposition. I have saved all of that money, and I am flying that money right now. That's what I'm getting to do. Working on the private was awesome, and I enjoy that. That gives me the ability to go out and fly. By the way, if you want to go for a flight, I can take you. We can go for a flight. But that gives me the ability to fly what's called VFR, visual flight rules. I can fly if I can see, and if I can see, I can fly. That's the only conditions. I have to be able to see. I can't fly in the clouds. But now, working on the instrument rating, I can actually fly in the clouds. Now, I've had some people say, well, what are you, what's the reasoning behind why you're doing this? I've had rumors get spread around about pastors all the time. I don't know, people love to gossip and talk. I am not leaving to go fly. My ultimate desire with this is it's a hobby and it's fun, but I would also love to restart and revitalize what's called Pilots for Christ, which is ministering to people and flying people as they have medical needs uh, or family members and just making that ministry happen again here in Gillette. I'm really reinvigorated as a pastor of the church. I love preaching the word of God. I fully see myself at least another 10 years being here. I don't know what our country will look like in 10 years, but I, I don't have any intention of leaving or doing that. I'm really, I love what I'm doing here, but I'd love to see Pilots for Christ go. That's really my heart of why I do that because it's fun. It's a hobby, and I ultimately would love to see a hobby being able to be used for the Lord. Um, so, oh, thank you. I didn't, I wasn't looking for applause, but thank you for that. Working on this instrument rating has been really incredible, though, because you can, using the instruments in the plane, take off and immediately go into the clouds. Fly in the clouds or above the clouds where you can't see the ground for a couple of hours and then land and come out and break through the clouds right at the minimum heights and there's the runway right before you. 
it's almost magical to be able to follow the instruments and be able to come out right on course exactly where you're supposed to be. All kinds of different instruments within the cockpit, but one of the most vital ones that was created not many years ago was the GPS system. It is a satellite system based upon orbital satellites as well as ground units that feed information into the plane that help you to know you're right on course even though you can't see anything. I thought that that is the wonderful description of the Word of God. It is the ability to stay on course even when I cannot see one step ahead of me. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how this is all going to work out, but God's word keeps me on course as the GPS to my life. You may be going through struggles. You may be going through challenges. You may be facing hardships. There may be relational difficulties. And God's word is the one that keeps my plane directed to where I need to be so that I land with him and follow him all of my life. He provides that GPS. So today, again, I want to talk about why I personally, not you, why me, this is my conviction, it is not yours. You may join me in this conviction, but I want to share why I believe the Bible is relevant, why I believe it's true, why I believe God Almighty is the creator and the author of it all, and why then I dedicate my life and my ministry to teaching it and studying it for myself. Let's talk a little bit about about this. Is the Bible credible? What do you think personally about the Bible? Is there anything special about it? Is it something that is important in life, as some people call it the owner's manual for life, or is it a collection of science fiction and fairy tales? What, what is the Bible to you? We know it's a controversial book. We know that heated discussions and debates and denominational splits and military crusades have happened all of this. It is the source and the centerpiece of drama for many people. It's a book that we cannot just completely dismiss. It's not just a benign coffee table piece of literature. It's something more important than that. The last words of scripture were penned 2,000 years ago, and the Bible has not changed since then, and neither has the controversy since that time. In the 1300s, John Wycliffe, you may have heard the name Wycliffe, translated the Bible from the Latin Vulgate into the English language, and he risked excommunication because of his desire to do so, to translate it from that Latin Vulgate into English. Two centuries later, William Tyndale, maybe you've heard that name, he was a contemporary of Martin Luther. He was one who translated the New Testament directly from the Hebrew and the Greek source texts, and he, prefers, um, he produced the first genuine English translation. And what happened to him? because of that? Well, he was burned at the stake for his belief that the Bible was written and supposed to be accessible to everyone. The Bible deserves our attention, and it requires some serious introspection, contemplation, and conversation, an intersense of conversation. And I want you to consider these questions. What do you believe about the Bible, and what impact will you allow it to have in your life? The United Bible Societies in 1999 said, certainly the Bible is a remarkable book, unquestionably the world's all-time bestseller with countless millions of copies in print. 
What is the Bible exactly? Let's just talk quickly about this before I get into why I believe it to be true. But what is the Bible? The Bible is not a book. It is a collection of books and letters. In fact, it's made up of 66 different books and letters, ranging from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation. They're divided into two separate parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament has 39 books. The New Testament has 27 different books. There were 40 different writers who took over 1,500 years to produce it. These writers included kings and peasants and philosophers and fishermen, poets and scholars. It was written on three different continents in three different languages. Now, despite all of that, 66 books, 40 different authors, 1,500 years, three different continents, three different languages, the Bible is a consistent message from front to back. It has been read by and published in more languages than any other book in the world. Why was it given? Well, I would, ex I would explain it this way. It was given as God's written testimony, God's written letter to you and I. Let me give you an example of this. Billy Graham is a name you may be familiar with. He was probably one of the greatest evangelists ever to live, right up there with the likes of John Wesley and others. Billy Graham, who was primarily in this uh, in our lifetimes, he preached from about the 1940s and 50s, 60s, 70s, all the way until he died and no longer could share that message. When Billy Graham started, he did a lot of worldwide travel, a lot of worldwide crusades, but there were not cell phones and emails and access to those kind of things at that time. His family missed him dearly. In fact, he had a very close relationship with his wife Ruth and during that time they would write letters back and forth and he was on the road a tremendous amount of time his travels would keep him away from his family for months and months at a time we've got copies of the letters that he wrote to Ruth and I want to read an excerpt from one of them this was in 1955 as he was on a crusade in Glasgow, Scotland, and he wrote back to his wife, Ruth, these words. He says, I don't have to tell you that you are in my mind every moment and that I love you with all my heart and miss you so much that it hurts. Naturally, I think of you a thousand times a day and each little experience I wish I could share with you. That kind of tenderness that he shares, that vulnerability to this very public man really told about what was really going on in his heart. A longing for and a missing of the intimacy with his wife, the devotion with his wife that they had experienced. He goes on to say these words to her. Ruth, your letters have given me inspiration, quieted my nerves. They bring me so close to you. Could it be that the Bible is meant to connect us intimately with the Father God? That the Bible is not just a theological document that you can understand God's theology, that the Bible is actually God's love letter to you so that you can know who he is, his love letter to mankind, so that we could understand his heart, his mind, his desires, and his goals. It's God's word given to us for specific reasons. There are three purposes, real quickly, for the Bible. The three purposes of the Bible are these. Number one, it's for God to reveal himself to people. 
God wants you to know him. How can finite man know an infinite God? Well, I'll tell you how. He gives us his word so that we could possibly know him. We can know everything about him that we need to know through the pages pinned in the Bible. These 66 books in this bound book, the Bible, gives us that knowledge of him. He revealed himself to us. In, first, in, in the book of John, Jesus says, Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. So God gives us his commands so that we may know him. That he could reveal himself to people. Number two, second reason of the Bible, purpose of the Bible, is to reveal to people how to live. He gives us the manual. We talked about that. The owner's manual for life. He shows us what it means to be Christ-like in how we live and how we function. How we think and how we act and how we speak. He gives us the picture of what that is supposed to be. In the previous series, it would be how do we walk after him? Well, we walk with him because he's given us his word to reveal it. In... First Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 it says this do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it then you will be prosperous and successful so he gives us his word to reveal to us how to live the third reason he gives us his word is to reveal how God interacts with people through time God did not just put everything in motion step back and say you're on your own folks no he gives us his word to show that he is actively a part of our lives it says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, In the past God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Romans 15, 4, For everything that was written in the past was to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. So God gave us his word. His positioning system, his GPS, as it were, to reveal himself to us, to reveal how we should live, and to show how he is involved and interacts with people. He doesn't leave us alone and on our own. So that leads us to the question that I have at hand for this message, and that is this Is the Bible believable and credible? Why do I believe that the Bible is true? It's not based upon blind faith. It is not wishful thinking. It is not an imaginary belief system. There are reasons behind why I believe. And I have committed my life to working for and following the Lord. It's not just blind faith. It's not imaginary. It's not wishful thinking. There is a reason behind why I believe the word of God to be true. Let me share with you three things that I look to that helps me. Now, I could have given you 10, but we don't have time. I don't have time to go through 10 different things. I just want to give you three reasons why, personally, I believe the Bible should, is true and you should highly consider. Because if it is true, then I have to take it seriously and let it impact my life. Number one, first reason I believe the Bible is true is this because of fulfilled prophecy. Well, what is prophecy? Prophecy is the foretelling of an event or something that's going to happen. 
The Bible is full of prophecy. Things that would happen, things that will happen, things that have already happened that were prophesied long before they actually happen. Let me read some stuff to you and share why this is so important about prophecy. Hugh Ross, who is an astrophysicist, what is the title astrophysicist? I, I don't know. I know this. It's somebody way smarter than me, maybe smarter than you as well. Somebody who thinks on a deeper level and deeper plane than I think. This astrophysicist, Hugh Ross, said this. He said approximately, and I want to note these things, approximately 2,500 prophecies appear in the pages of the Bible. Of those 2,500, about 2,000 of which already have been fulfilled to the letter, no errors. What does that mean? It means that there are 500 still that have not been fulfilled. What are they mostly referring to? The end times. What the Bible refers to as the end of days. We've talked about a lot of that. However, 2,000 of the 2,500 have been fulfilled. To the letter, no errors. He goes on to say this. Since the probability for any one of these prophecies having been fulfilled by chance averages less than one in ten, and since the prophecies are for the most part independent of one another, the odds for all these prophecies having been fulfilled by chance without error is less than one in ten to the two thousandth. What is that number? Well, that is ten with the number 10 with 2,000 zeros behind it. He said this, that the odds of this just happening by chance, somebody wrote it down by chance, it would be 10 to the 2,000th for that to actually happen. Now, let me try to get your brain wrapped around this just a little bit more. Let me give you some examples in the Bible. In the Bible, here are 10 examples of prophecy that were fulfilled in Jesus alone. Look at these 10. The place of birth, where Jesus would be born, in Micah 5.2 was prophesied 700 years, really before Jesus was on the scene. 700 years, it was prophesied that out of you, Bethlehem, will come the Messiah. Where was Jesus born? Matthew 2.1, in Bethlehem of Judea. He would be born of a virgin, the Messiah would, prophesied 700 years before Jesus was on the scene in Isaiah 7.14, fulfilled in Matthew 1.18, that he was born of a virgin, that he would have a triumphal entry, prophesied about 500 years before Jesus was on the scene, Zechariah 9.9, it was fulfilled in John 12, along with all of the other Gospels. His rejection was prophesied about in Isaiah 53.3, 700 years before, I'm sorry, he was betrayed by a friend, prophesied about in Psalm 41.9, thousand years before he was on the scene and it was fulfilled. Mark chapter 14, verse 10, again, along with it being recorded in the other gospels as well. His rejection 
prophesied 700 years before he came on the scene. He would be crucified, prophesied in Isaiah uh, 700 years before he was on the scene. His hands and feet would be pierced, prophesied about in Psalm 22:16. A thousand years before he was on the scene. His burial, his resurrection, his ascension, all of those things were given as prophecies and it were fulfilled in Jesus and Jesus alone. Now that's 10. Remember, he said there are 2,000 that have been fulfilled. I'm just giving you a sample of 10. We could go through all 2,000, but I don't want to keep you here all day to go through that. But you can search it out for yourself if you'd like to. Peter Stoner, in his book called Science Speaks, says this, the chance that any man might have fulfilled all, he says, eight prophecies. What did I just give you? I gave you 10 the chance that anyone would fulfill eight is one in 10 to the 17th. What is that number? Well, that would be one in the number you see there. What is that number? 100 quadrillion. The odds that one man could fulfill eight things written five, 700, 1,000 years before he came on the scene is one and 100 quadrillion. How would you like those odds? If I came to you and said, hey, would you like to buy a lottery ticket? you got a great chance of winning. You've got a one and 100 quadrillion chance of winning that lottery. Would you like those odds? Not really. Amazing that Jesus is the one that fulfilled that. L let me give you a little bit more. Because Peter Stoner went on to suggest this visual that can help us to understand it. He said, imagine this. Take the entire state of Texas border to border, all along Texas. Take silver dollars that would be enough to cover the entire state of Texas two feet deep. Spread them out over the state of Texas two feet deep, silver dollars. Take one of the silver dollars and mark it with a special mark. Bury it anywhere in that two feet deep of silver dollars somewhere spread out over the state of Texas. Then take a man or woman, blindfold them, turn them loose, and say, whenever you're ready, stop, reach down, dig through the coins, and grab one. He said, to get the one that is marked in the state of Texas covered in two feet deep of silver dollars is the same odds as one in 100 quadrillion. In other words, an impossibility if it were people. If this book is just mysticism and this book was just uh, fairy tales, how can you explain that eight prophecies were fulfilled? That can't happen unless it is supernatural and there is a God behind it. That's the amazing thing. And he said, again, that's only eight. I showed you 10. Hugh Ross said, no, there's 2,500, and 2,000 have been fulfilled. That can't happen by chance. I looked at that when I was early in my faith, and I looked at that, and I studied that, and I researched that, and I said, you know what? This has to be true. There is no other explanation for it other than this is God's word given to humans. It's his love letter. And I had better take it seriously. 
And it changed my heart and it changed my mind and it changed my life. And I am who I am today because of the word of God given to us. So that's the first reason I believe that the Bible is credible. I don't know about you, if that does anything for you. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know how, if it doesn't, you're kind of, you're, the fire's gone out if it doesn't. But that should excite you that, wow, this is true. Number two, second reason I believe the Bible to be credible is archaeological findings. What do I mean by this? Did you know that archaeologists carry a copy of the Bible with them whenever they go to a dig because the Bible has been the most accurate archaeological guide over the years. So every time they go out on a dig, they take a copy of the Bible. Luke, who was the author of the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, has been proven accurate by archaeologists in regards to uh, 32 references to countries, 54 references to cities, 9 different references to islands. That's 95 different references, all that have been supported by archaeology. John, who is the author of the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Revelation, he mentions in his Gospel that there was a place called the Pool of Bethsaida. There were five porches in the Pool of Bethsaida. For years, archaeologists were convinced that John is wrong because they've never been able to find it. No such place had ever been discovered until a few years ago they dug 40 feet under the ground and five porches were discovered in that place. And they realize that John's account is accurate. There are more than 25,000 different sites that are recorded in the Bible that are proven with archaeological discoveries. So archaeologists have proven time and time again that the things written about are accurate and true. It's not made up. They're actual legitimate places. Not just that, there are different manuscripts that have been found of the Bible. These manuscripts point to the validity of the Bible. The manuscripts that have been found are completely accurate when it comes to the original text and what we have in our hands today. In other words, it has not changed over time. People have said, well, it's not accurate now, it's been changed. It hasn't, and it's been proven with the manuscripts that have been found. In fact, they have proven that the Bible is 99.5% accurate when it comes to all of the manuscripts that they have found. And what are the differences that they've found? Well, let me tell you what they are. In the earliest texts, they found the words, the original text that said, God is gracious and merciful. And the translation changed it just minorly in the way that they translated it, and it says things like this. Instead of saying God is gracious and merciful, God is gracious but merciful, or the Lord is gracious and merciful, or God is loving and merciful, or God is merciful and gracious, God is gracious and merciful. That's how they have changed that minor way. And so what they found is that the Bible is 99.5% accurate with the manuscripts that they have found. Well, how many manuscripts have they found? I mean, are they going off of one or two? Well, let me give you some examples of this. There are some famous books that were written in antiquities. There was a book written by a person by the name of Herodotus, and Herodotus in the about 450 BC wrote a manuscript, and we have found eight copies of that. And they think, wow, that is amazing, eight copies, that is absolutely valid. 
Caesar, around oh about 40 to 50 BC, had written something, and they found 10 manuscripts of what he had written. Tacitus, who wrote around 100 AD, the time that the New Testament was being finalized, and they found 20 manuscripts given by Tacitus. And they thought, well, that's incredible. Aristotle, they found writings of Aristotle. They found 49 manuscripts. And nobody ever questions the validity of what Aristotle wrote because they have 49 copies of it. Homer which is the most prominent one that they found, Homer's the Iliad, they found, they found 643 manuscripts with a 95% accuracy of Homer's the Iliad. So 643, that is amazing. They never questioned the validity of what Homer had written. How many manuscripts do you think they found of the Bible? Let me give you the number of what they have found with the Bible of manuscripts and partial manuscripts. They have found 24,000 different manuscripts that have found, been found throughout the world. Next closest, Homer's Iliad, 643, 24,000 copies. And how accurate is it? 99.5% accurate compared to the original text. So that's why I believe that the Bible's credible, because the prophecies... That can't happen by chance. The archaeological findings have proven the validity of the Bible. The final reason I believe the Bible to be credible is because of creation itself. Now, if you were with us last week, Pastor Stephen preached and he spoke about creation. He spoke about the amazing thing of this world. Go back and listen to that because that was so good. The things that he was talking about. The creation itself points to a creator. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, a very, very familiar verse that most of you know says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. See, if he didn't create, then we should throw the rest of this away. Because he started out the Bible with a lie. And if he lied, I can't believe the rest of it. He created. Now, Satan doesn't want us to believe that, so he's come up with all kinds of alternate narratives of how the world came into existence. There couldn't be a creator. God didn't create it. Most people struggle with creation because all it says is that in the beginning, God created it. He didn't tell you how. He didn't tell you what he did exactly. He just did it. And everybody wants to know, well, how? I need to know how. I can't believe it unless I know how. Well, that's not what God is asking. God doesn't owe us an explanation. He is God. We're not. He doesn't owe us anything. We take it by faith. He created the heavens. The prophecies are true. The archaeological evidence is true. Therefore, maybe if he says, in the beginning I created it, maybe just maybe that is true as well. If you look at the world itself, you begin to see the amazingness of the world. It's what most people don't really think about. They just hear in school, no, no, it's a Big Bang Theory, it's evolution, that's what happened. Okay, I'll just believe it, because you say it. If you look at it, it blows your mind to the complexity of the earth. Did you know that the earth, and again, some of these things Stephen talked about last week, and I don't want to go too deep into this, but did you know that the earth, the tilt of the earth, is just absolutely perfect? Did you know that the earth is tilted 23 and a half degrees? If it was tilted any more or any less, 
it could not sustain life or the life that it sustained would be harsh and bitter. We are tilted perfectly. God tilted this. How does that just happen by chance? If we were tilted anymore, it would cause us to maybe burn up or freeze to death. God has the tilt of the earth absolutely perfect the way that he wants us to have it. And they want you to believe, well, no, this just happened by chance. Really? How could that perfection happen by chance? Okay, well, okay, the tilt. Let's talk about the distance. The earth's distance from the sun is absolutely perfect. If the earth were any closer, it would heat up too much and not support life. Any further away, it would freeze and not support life. We are the perfect distance. We have the perfect atmosphere. The atmosphere of the earth is made up of a bunch of different gases. We often talk about oxygen, but that is not the primary gas in the atmosphere. The primary gas is nitrogen at 78%, oxygen at 21%, argon is less than 1%, and then we have CO2, which is about 0.03%. That is the perfect atmosphere to sustain life. Any more or less in those gases and in that mixture, and we could not survive as a race, as humanity. How does that, again, happen by chance? Can all of that just randomly happen, or is there an intelligent designer behind it all? Well, no, it, something blew up and something magical happened in the blowing this up, and it all came together. Is that Harder to believe than an intelligent designer? I think so. But not only the Earth's atmosphere, did you know that the, the, the measurement of the Earth's atmosphere is absolutely perfect? If it were any thicker, it would trap too much greenhouse gases in. Any thinner, it would allow it to escape, too much heat to escape. It is the perfect thickness of the Earth's atmosphere. The moon is the perfect partner of the earth. It protects the earth from the, from the asteroids and meteors that are hitting. It shields the earth, and it helps with the rotation of the earth, causing the tides to happen the way that they do. The rotation of the earth is at the perfect speed, any faster, and it could not sustain life any slower, and parts of it would burn up and parts of it would freeze. It's amazing what God has created and that creation then points back to the very beginning of the Bible. In the beginning, there has to be an intelligent designer, and it's God who created the heavens and the earth. And God put these prophecies in the Bible that have been fulfilled, which you can't explain away. And archaeologists have found it to be accurate. And there's more manuscripts than ever that are being discovered that point to the validity of the Bible. And what is the Bible? It is God's revelation to me. His love letter to me so that I could know him and I could know how to live life and I could see his interaction with humanity over his creation since the time he put it into motion. Romans 1.20 says, For ever since, ever since the creation of the world, God's invisible nature and attributes, that is his eternal power and divinity, have been made intelligible and clearly discernible in and through the things that have been made. That's his handiworks. In other words, just go out into nature and look at nature and say, wow, there has to be a creator. In the book of Psalms 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky displays his handiwork day after day. It speaks out night after night. It reveals his greatness. Psalm 95, in his hand are the deep places of the earth. 
the strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his, and he made it. And his hands form the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Why do I believe the Bible is credible? Well, I look at the fulfilled prophecy in these pages. And that causes me to think, wow, that cannot just happen by chance. There's no odds enough that it could happen by chance. If somebody just wrote this out, how did they get that right? Maybe there is a God behind this. And then I look at the archaeological findings. Wow, they have, they have proven that this is accurate archaeologically in manuscripts. And it has stayed consistent with all the manuscripts they have found to where I have it in my hand today. And the creation itself points to an intelligent designer. Because this can't just happen randomly. And I take all of that evidence... And I take all of that study and things that I have seen and things that I have learned and I have come to that decision. The Bible is true. It's accurate. And if it's true and if it's accurate, I need to believe the words that it says and put these words into practice. And study for myself and learn for myself. And trust in what God tells me. Trust in his promises, in his life, in his gifts. Trust that Jesus came to take the punishment for me. I trust that and put that into my life. So what about you? Where is your GPS system today? Are you on course? Some of you are fully sold out believers in Jesus and you're following the line on the GPS in the plane. It's a magenta line. It's, you're following the magenta line. You know where you're going and you don't want to deviate off course. Others have said, yes, I want Jesus. I committed my life, but I have, I have flown way off course. I don't know how I got myself here, but I am way off course it's time to get myself lined back up. I need to start getting into God's word, knowing him, and aligning my life with him. Still others in this room today, you've not ever believed. You've doubted. You've wrestled. You've struggled. You've never come to that decision where you said, you know, I do believe this. And I need to get myself in alignment with him. And I'm going to challenge you today Maybe the things that I have presented are enough. Maybe that's all you needed. And you say, yeah, wow, maybe I do believe this. And you're ready to say, okay, if that's what I believe, Jesus said there's no other way to the Father except through him. He has talked about us coming to Jesus and Jesus giving us access to the Father. So Jesus, today I want to come to you. Please come into my heart and into my life. And help me to follow you. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe some of you are, maybe this has stirred up some thinking and you're thinking, I'm going to go home and I'm going to do this more. I'm going to search this out more. I want to wrestle with this for a while. And that's okay. Don't wait until it's too late. Don't take the message of today, ignore it, and just keep going and living life. Wishing later that I had listened. Whatever your heart is today, wherever you're at today, let's pray and ask for God to, to change you. Father, 
This message today has just been burning on my heart. It's just wanting people to believe you. Lord, this is between you and them, though. I can, I can plant the seeds. Someone else can water. But it's you who caused the growth. So, Lord, right now, I pray that you'd start bugging people. That you'd start tapping them on the shoulder and saying to them, it's time for you to give your life to me. I am the author. I am the creator. I am the king of kings and lord of lords, and I'm trusting you, Lord, to come into my heart. Maybe that's the decision they need to make today. Lord, for those that are on course, keep them there. Because I know that the devil would love nothing more than to pull us astray. He would love to pull us way off course. And Lord, protect us and help us to stand firm against those attacks. Others, Lord, are already off course. They want to come back. They want to get right with you. Help them to get right with you. As they repent and say, God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me and help me to walk with you. That you would restore them and help them be in right alignment. And others, Lord, maybe there are some in this room today that are saying, yes, I'm ready. I believe you. For that person, those people today, here or watching, as they say that to you, Lord, please come into their heart and their, their lives. As they say, Jesus, please help me. I need you. Interact with them and come and meet them where they're at. Others, Lord, that need to wrestle with this more, provide the right materials and the right people to listen to that will help show them the facts of who you are, not what everybody else, not what Satan is whispering to the world. Father, we thank you for this time that we could study your word and look at it together. As we leave this place, bless each one, protect us, and help us to follow you. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to close with us standing together. And those who really believe this, you can speak this out. For those who don't, you can just stand there silently. That's perfectly fine until the Lord interacts with you. But I want us to close with saying the Apostles' Creed, just a statement of faith together. Now, the Apostles' Creed was given because the writers and the original church founders, fathers of the New Testament came together and said, this is the fundamental of what what we believe. This is our faith. And if you are a believer in Christ, I want you to say this out loud as a confession with me here today. I've got a couple of slides that we'll switch to, but read this with me out loud. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. Third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We'll go in God's grace and God's peace and looking forward to seeing you back here next time. Have a wonderful week. Thanks so much for checking out that message from Journey Church. We pray that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. 
If God is leading you to give to this ministry, be sure to head over to journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your generous contributions allow us to continue making content like this week after week. So thank you for your generosity so that we can keep spreading the message of Jesus Christ all over the internet. Hey, God bless you guys, and thanks for listening to this message.